bodies in the middle. Checks back against Carter and scores. That is atypical for the Amina Margot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Vic Acres Wonderland podcast, where we're going to be covering the return of the WSL to Meadow Park, Arsenal versus Everton. Once again, it's Adam Salter, myself, in the hosting chair, but we've had a bit of a dilemma, a bit of a disaster. The magnificent Matt can't make it tonight, but fear not, due to a last-minute deal we've done with Hitching Town FC, we've managed to secure their commentator on a short-term deal to step into the breach and fill in. So please welcome the lovely Lottie and the fantastic... Freddie Cardi. Freddie, welcome. First time on the pod. So firstly, how are you? Very good. Thanks you very much for having me. How are you both? Uh, we, we are well. Um, we'll get to your stuff in a minute because I want to pick apart. Obviously, you do a lot of stuff, not only with Hitchin Town, but you do a bit of writing as well for the, the Guna fanzine, which great to hear about. Um, Lottie, um, it's another game at Meadow Park. Um, it's return of WSL. You must be very excited. Uh, yeah, I would be if I could watch it. Well, we are going to we are going to, we are going to come on to that a, as well. I'm a little bit annoyed about that, but it's yeah, there, there'll be some way to watch it if it goes ahead. Absolutely, sure. we hope so. We hope so. We hope so. Um, yes, as we know, it is uh, winter. It is getting colder. It's been absolutely freezing at my flat, and I think it has been for everybody else. And there is actual jeopardy around the fixture to tomorrow, um, the two o'clock. Um, due to the weather, there's already been some pitch cancellations up and down the league due to frozen pitches. Arsenal have done their best to hopefully mitigate against this. But on that note, as it is a rather chilly and it is rather freezing, just a question for the pair of you. What has been the coldest football match you've had to suffer slash enjoy? Um, Freddie, as someone who has been in the commentary booth and in the stands, I'll come to you first. What, what, what's been your chilliest evening? Oh, there's been so, so many and I get crucified for it as well because I'll be, by the time I'm up for the, the post-match interviews, my hand will be shaking, sort of holding the microphone or the phone or I'll be, my leg will be shaking one way or the other, shivering. So I think it, I, I really get affected by it. Recently, it would have been filming Chesterfield. They had a, a game against Leighton Orient start of December when we had that really cold weekend, other games mm -hmm. all over the country being called off. And I, I was filming it, so I got sort of pitch side access, gets getting snowed on. You know, didn't wear the right footwear. It's just one of those days where you just get freezing, dragging a load of camera equipment through Derbyshire. So that wasn't ideal, sort of sitting pitch side, trying to record some footage of your hands shaking everywhere in the cold. But definitely from an Arsenal woman's perspective, we had those those two last season, didn't we? Sort of March, February, March, Man City in the Conti Cup, where we were all sort of thinking, why can't it go straight to penalties? <laughs> Arsenal did everything to get a winner. The goal didn't come and then it goes to extra time and Steena scores immediately. We all think, can we go home now? But of course, then we have to wait for, for the entire rest of that. And, and then the game against Liverpool where we just got snowed on walking yeah. down from, from Borenwood train station to the ground. I think there was a radio reporter next to me and her one of her sort of cables for broadcasting actually got stuck because it was so cold. It had frozen sort of into the socket uh, with something I've never seen before. But wow. we literally couldn't pull it out because things are just frozen in place that that was definitely up there as well but yeah I've had I've had more I've had so many I, I wish I did cricket instead somewhere <laughs> well for the well, moment we're glad you, you stick to football because um you do do a lot of uh, good work good work for the football world so we're very grateful for that I would say uh, Jones was shaking and stuff I mean I was obviously with the, the post-match press review um mm. last weekend and um yeah I really did feel I really I, I debated before I, do I need that jumper under my coat no I'll be fine and then by the time I got out when you're all exposed in that coordinate meadow park absolutely freezing and uh, yeah I couldn't keep my phone sort of steady at all absolutely freezing no. so I, I would agree with you and I think we're all going to be in agreement here because we were all t well, myself and Lottie were together for um I think both those games and it was absolutely chuffing freezing um well we're not Meadow Park is cold at the worst of times on the, especially in the midweek night fixtures um Spurs is a bit nippy um and I would imagine our game against Everton will be the same Lottie I'll finish with yourself 
any other games that come to mind or we rather pinched him all from you? <laughs> yeah, no, it's got to be that level pool game from last winter. Mm. I think when you walked in the ground, um, all you could see was my eyes. <laughs> I was that wrapped up. I had my arsehole stood up, I had my hat on, my hood up. And I had to like, like, unmask myself to say, oh yeah, me <laughs> It's like Kenny from South Park. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was that cold. I remember I remember um, friends of the pod, G, saying to me, she couldn't see the game because it was that bad. Yeah. I think that was the FA player, if I remember rightly. I think that's one where the guy had to get the rag out and wipe it in front of it. I mean, you know yeah. it's bad weather when the, the magical yeah. rag comes out on the camera lens. Um, yeah. Yes, well, hopefully the game does go ahead. Um, there will be pitch inspections, we believe, at 9.30 and 10.30 a.m. on the, um, tomorrow in the build-up to it. Um, so we won't know until re- rather late in the day whether it's going ahead or not. We, I believe that Arsenal have put out covers and I've had the pitch covered all week, trying to keep it warm. Um, so fingers crossed it does yeah. work. Because yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like half hour from Meadow Park mm. and it's been yeah. minus six, minus four most yeah, of the week. I've, I've had some minus so fives in London as well. Yeah, it's not been good. Yeah. So fingers crossed there. Before we go into news, obviously, Freddie, it's your first time on the pod. So I thought I'd give you a chance to introduce yourself. So what is it you do in terms of, well, firstly, with women's football, because obviously you are a writer. Um, so how how has, this, how has this happened for yourself? Uh, it's a, a series of coincidences, I guess, and then sort of taking the chances, as a lot of things in the sports journalism world, as you, you'll have found out yourself, Adam, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it can often be opportunities that you don't expect. And uh, fortunately for me, Leif Yusuf, I've known him for a while, sort of writing in local papers in Hitchin, um, sort of living in the same town. And Obviously, he took over the editorial side of the Guna fanzine a few years ago, was keen to sort of get me involved. And in sort of start the 2021-22 season, I wanted to, to really carve out a niche with it and focus on sort of one side of the club. And uh, straight straight away, something that stuck out to me, something I'd like to go into was, was covering Arsenal women. I sort of watched women's football on and off. I'd always keep an eye on things. But this gave me a real chance to, to really learn about all things Arsenal, you know, really enhanced my knowledge which was very limited I'd say of the WSL and really just throwing myself at it and it still surprises me now and I meet so many sort of Arsenal women fans and fans of women's football and you sort of speak to them you hear their knowledge and you think you must have watched this for years and they'll go actually this is my first season and I think a lot of people but that's I think testament to the accessibility of the women's game especially now with the you know I came in my first season there was a new broadcast deal with Sky Sports and the BBC and that really helped for me to be able to to watch these games every weekend and get that quality sort of punditry and coverage but it's been really good to just throw myself at it and then sort of the last couple of years I've had more of the opportunities to to actually go and cover games as well as just writing and watching on from home so I can sort of go and cover every game now highlight obviously was some of these sold out Emirates fixtures. I got to do Wolfsburg away um, in Germany, which was just incredible. It's sort of a, a real pinch yourself mm. experience. And uh, and then going to going to do that home, they get sold out Emirates. You know, I'm, I'm a childhood Arsenal fan. So, you know, mm. doing a, game at a sold out Emirates, it doesn't get better than that. It, it yeah. never will feel real, you know, when you're going up those steps into the Emirates. So it's a, it's a real pleasure. I mean, I, I was there for that Wolfsburg game and I know we lost and it ended in, in tragedy, but I that will stay with me forever. I loved that entire game and um, just just so many memories. The Stina goal, you know, the, the heartbreak, Jen, Jen BT's, you know, legendary um, header and then clash with Pop, just stick with me forever. Um, before we move on to Paul, I just wanted to maybe last year for you, just uh, firstly, who's your favourite player? Uh, our team. If you give it a, a past or present, it can be anyone. But if there's a, if there's a one, you know, it could be one you want to interview or one that you you would like enjoy watching. Who who would it be? I'll firstly for a, a past one. I have to give a shout out to Joe Churchman, who played before my time, but happens to live around the corner from me. And That's actually fantastic. Was at the secondary school I went to, and I worked with her daughter uh, in our local pub. So we've got a lot of connections. So she'd often be, but you know, with the bar. At, with me at the bar talking about all things Arsenal women. So, I'd, yeah, if I could go back in time, I'd love to, to see if she had what it took, and I'm sure she did. But to to be live around the corner from an ex-Arsenal women player, it is amazing. And I often mm. sort of pick her brains about the current team whenever I see her. Current player, it's actually something, something I've not thought about a lot, actually. Um, I think Katie McCabe for, you know, we all, I don't need to go into it. <laughs> we all enjoy playing, especially these sort of big, big big games but for for pure sort of technical ability i still have a real soft spot for leah valti and watching mm. what she does and you know i'm so pleased that she's sort of committed her future to the club we saw Jonas sort of really bat away any 
talk, but just you know, it's a player who can use both feet as effectively as she can. I think that's actually become something of a dying art in modern football. We see it less and less players being so confident on both feet. The way she uses her body, I think, is something we see a lot in Victoria Pulova. You know, Kim Little's quite similar, but you can just see the influence of her sort of in these younger Arsenal midfielders, mm -hmm. even watching Leila Harbour, you know, for Watford on Sunday. I just think the Valti and Little. It's going to be a shame where eventually, when eventually you know, we sort of lose that partnership. But, Don't but, say it. Don't right. say it. Right. But I think I've, I've always had a soft spot for sort of watching what she does in midfield because it's, yes. it's so easy for her to go under the radar. And, and lastly, uh, do you have a favourite goal or favourite moment, shall we say, with, with, with the women's teams so far? It could be, again, it could be since you've been covering them or you know, beforehand, is there a particular moment that you know, is, has, a, has been a highlight for you? So bad put on the spot, honestly. Um, I think that that Chelsea win. I think there was just, uh, just which a, Chelsea win? There's been a few now. <laughs> I'll go the four-one at the Emirates um, okay. because I travelled down. I got up at five in the morning, came down from Derby, and I thought, you know, I was sort of nervous as we all were, and mm. you talked to the usual Arsenal figures in the press box, and no one was particularly keen, and all of a sudden three went up and I just remember taking a picture of the scoreboard just to sort of put it on Twitter be like just in case we're all sort of checking this is actually happening but I think you know that that Russo goal going in behind but in terms of favourite goal purely of technical ability and the, the when, I, when I was being there covering it, it was McCabe against Manchester City that sort of corner onto oh. our left it was the looking around the press box and everyone sort of the shocked faces which is not mm. something you always see when we have to stay so emotionless but people were just like yeah that's actually just happened so jaw drop yeah. an incredible incredible moment and obviously to win it the the celebrations as well so yeah that's that's so many highlights and I've, I've not done it for long as i say but there's so many to choose between well i hope that we'll have plenty more to, to for you to enjoy as well i mean i was the, for the mccabe goal i was literally i, I was in the east end so i had a perfect view of watching that sail in and then they all came over and celebrated us and um yeah we were on cloud nine and I mean that that Chelsea game. I was like, it was like pinch yourself. I thought I was dreaming. I thought this this is not this can't be real. This is too good. And myself and Lottie were there for that, and it was um, an amazing day. I just wish it had been the last game of the year, and we didn't have like a, another North London another yeah another London derby to play the weekend after. I'd rather forget that happened. But news, and it's, it's worth talking about Emirates Stadium because there is another one game on the horizon, and that is the Manchester United game. And Arsenal have now announced over fifty thousand tickets have been sold for the game which is quite frankly incredible um lottie i'm guessing you're going to be going to this one um hopefully fantastic news the arsenal once again breaking records and and showing how you know how big our fan base is and leading the way no absolutely i mean i bought the the advantage pack so i've got tickets for every emirates games this season which is mm. kind of a relief because getting meadow park tickets are like gold dust um speaking of tickets our fixture for man city um tickets go on sale on the 26th of january yeah games yeah. on the 11th of feb and i think it's one o'clock they're released yeah it's one o'clock and yeah 12 o'clock kickoff live on bbc2 but you know obviously we want to try and fill the stadium and the crowd are pretty right. good on the league game so we're hoping a similar crowd will be pretty good and yeah you can go you know, open, open ticket. Even if you're a season ticket holder, you have to get a ticket because your season ticket will not cover it. Um, but yeah, Freddie, 50,000 tickets sold. I'm hoping, I mean, I can't be there, sadly, um, due to work commitments. I'm going to miss this one. And I'm absolutely gutted. Are you going to get the chance to to come down for the game? I'll absolutely, yeah, I'll absolutely be going down. I think as well, just to touch on that, this is a game that we only found about the kickoff time earlier this week, which yeah. I still think is, is nowhere near enough notice. You know, less than a month. We're talking about people... You know, with 50,000, it's not like 3,000 into Meadow Park where a lot of them are maybe more local. And even then, you know, tomorrow, if, if it's called off, there'll still be fans flying over, getting the trains from all, all parts of the country and around the world, really. But, you know, you're talking about 50,000 fans now. It is something that the broadcasters have got to get more on top of. If we're going to see these increased numbers of supporters coming to games and we want to be driving up these attendances, we've got to be nailing down these kickoff times and getting sensible kickoff times as well. You know, I've, I've talked about this before with, with other podcasters and, and written articles on it because it's just it's not good enough from the league's point of view. And I know it's something we see in the men's game as well. And it's something we see, you know, widespread in football, really. But that's testament again to the Arsenal fans, you know, 10,000 away from selling out for a, a fixture that we only had confirmation of earlier <laughs> this week. You know, it's even it's it's even more impressive. 
And it's even more annoying that I suppose when the kickoff is announced, it's the early kickoff again. Um, but I, I suppose you could say it did serve us well for the Chelsea game. So maybe, you know, maybe it will bode well. Maybe it will give us a bit of good luck. Yeah, it would be a good um, omen. Hopefully, hopefully. With a, I mean, I remember the game last season. Obviously, there was it ended traumatically for a number of reasons. Thankfully, Russo's on the right side of the grass this time. She okay. is, but I will. <laughs> I was. I still stand by the fact that it's one of the best games of football I've seen live. Even though it ended badly for us, just in terms. I mean, the, and the Vinoyter goal for me was the pick of the goals. Um, but just yeah. so so much happened in that game. It was incredible. Um, other news. Um, this is a, a very small minor news. Not many people have heard about it, but Manu is staying. She has signed a contract extension. Um, Lottie, great news for, for me. I, 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 it's absolutely brilliant. Mm. But the writing was on the wall. I thought she was going. I'm shocked. <laughs> I mean, what does that mean for our keepers now? Are we going to get a surplus if some, certain someone else is coming in? I don't think a certain someone else is coming in. I'll put no, it that I way. don't either at this I point. Think, but. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy for her. I'm glad she's here to say. You could see when we were at Tottenham away, she was in bits mm. um, at the end of that game. Um, and it was kind of felt like it was like the final game for her to play for us. And the, like, I was just like, oh, oh, God, here we go. But yeah, I'm really pleased she's staying, if I'm honest. Yes. The thing is, uh, if she, I would bring it, I would have her, but if Manu's staying, I'm happy. Absolutely. She's one of us uh, at the end of the day and she loves the club as much as we do. She really does love the club. There's a really good interview on the Arsenal website. Do make sure you check it out if you haven't already. Also, the Arsenal did gift her a a very small, um, I think they call them like baby growth, like a ba- uh, for her new uh, child that's on her way. I think it's like, I think it's June, July time. I think it's due. So obviously best of luck to her and her partner there. Um, Freddie, Manu, one of the best goalkeepers in the WSL, have you, you know, based on what you've seen so far, good news for the yeah. Arsenal? I'm, I've been a you know, I've been interested in the sort of developments of Sabrina D'Angelo and I've been probably one of her, you know, bigger supporters in terms of drumming up that the, the challenges sort of between the two goalkeepers. And she's not been massively error prone. I think handling a lot of the times those crosses that come into the box has maybe been somewhere that, that she'll be having to look at. And obviously the Manchester United mistake, you know, in such a crucial game when she was mm. given that backing, it was quite clear that that was then going to be you know, Zinsberger's opportunity. There's obviously so many parallels to the men's team with with Raya and Ramsdale, and it's interesting how both managers have done it. But f- for me, you need a one number one goalkeeper. And when it's a, a character and a personality like Manu Zinsberger, she needs to know she's a number one goalkeeper. She needs to be full of confidence because we know how good she is. We can see how good she must be to be around the squad. The fans love her. And importantly, she's got the backing of the fans because she has that bond with them as well. And mm. even though she maybe has got those critics and sometimes, you know, I was talking to you the other day, I think sometimes it will be, she'll make even make a mistake on international duty. And then yes. some will then sort of put, pull that apart. And then already by the time she comes back to, to club football, maybe then she's lost that confidence. But I think in terms of, you know, for Arsenal, are there any massive upgrades out there no you know I think we we can safely say that now we've scoured the transfer market you know you you mentioned or didn't mention Mary Earps that will live to fight another day you know she seems settled at Manchester United for the time being you know despite maybe various things have been written she's a, a strong character she's come out and said she wants to stay put certainly for the time being and you know, I think this is a good news. You have to back your goalkeepers. And, you know, we've seen that at times when managers haven't and they've tried to get too clever, not having two number ones. Jonas has said mm. at times, that's died down now. You know, Manny Zinsberger is Arsenal's number one, tying her down to a new contract. And, you know, it's good to see her. And I watched the videos, the interviews earlier. She's clearly happy here. And you mentioned that yeah. Spurs game. She's clearly happy in North London. As you say, baby on the way. You know, I think newly married or, or soon yep, to be yep, well. So yep. obviously, that, you know, things like that, it's easy to underestimate how much of an impact that can have on where you want to live, who you might play for and how that impacts your career. That just shows, you know, it's a, probably a big time in her life. I never like delving into the player's personal life, but you have to in yeah. this case. She's mm-hmm. clearly happy to, to stay in North London and I think she'll be she'll have a really nice reception. I'm sure she'll play against Everton tomorrow and the Arsenal fans will, you know, they're always, she's the first one out to warm up and she'll always get a rousing reception from those Arsenal fans. 
She absolutely does. I mean, they did, actually did a thing when they actually asked who our favourite chant is, and I think she said, yeah, well, obviously my one, which I did give. Although she did also back the Chloe Lacasse chant, which I think we can all agree is an absolute superb chant. Um, I'm thrilled for it. I mean, I did feel a bit sorry for it at the start of the season because there was that transfer rumour that came out um, regard, regarding Earps, and I think that did, um, I think, divert a, a portion of the fan base's um, gaze towards thinking, oh, we should get rid of Manu and get Erps in because Erps is such a, a popular figure in the public consciousness at the moment. And, and the idea of Erps being at Arsenal was very appetising. And I think people easily forget just how good a keeper Manu um, has become since joining Arsenal. She's grown for up season. I remember her first season under Jonas won the Golden Glove. She holds the record for the most clean, consecutive clean sheets in the WSL. Uh, I mean, you know, and I should obviously say clean sheets, as, as Marnie was very quick to mention. It's not just the goalkeeper, it's the defence as well. And I think that maybe when we get a proper defence in, I think we'll see really good um, side of Marnie. I think there's an element with Erps as well in terms of the, the parallels with Russo and the, the fan rivalries and wanting to, you know, get her from Manchester United. If yes. she played for another team, say she played Let's Go PSG, are we going to be as tribal as we perhaps are as as Arsenal fans in terms of wanting to get wanting to get her across? But as you say, in the public figure, you know she's um, the World Cup, of course, and and we've seen how the lionesses in you know the public persona has just shot up, hasn't it? And and people absolutely love Mary Earps, and rightly so. Mm. And even at the start of her season, you know she was then come under more scrutiny from United fans, Arsenal fans, and debating about her and. It's uh, it's the right decision has been made. You know, I yeah, think absolutely one way or another, they, they've done the right thing here. Absolutely. A few more uh, things just to quickly breeze through. Um, Sam Lewis, who's a bit of a footballing legend, um, America has sadly retired from football due to knee injuries. She's now taking up a role in the Men in Blazers media group uh, to help lead their women's football coverage. And um, I only briefly saw Sam Lewis sort of play football. That's when she played for Man City during the lockdown season. Um, and I thought she was terrific for Man City. She you know, won the FA Cup when she played for them and then very, very nearly won the league. I think they're like a point short in the end, just behind Chelsea. Um, and they played against us in the semi-final and Mewis just ran that midfield. Um, we had, um, I think it was DVD in that lot in the midfield and Mewis just absolutely monstered, monstered it. So very talented player. Sadly, you know, career cut short. Wish her all the best. Um, Jonas did have his press conference today. A few key points is that Leah Williamson is nearly back. Won't be for this game, but will hopefully be back maybe for Reading or um, Liverpool. But speaking of Reading, um, Freddie, I'll, I'll come to you on this one because you did sort of break on Twitter. Um, mm. The Reading game, the League Cup tie against the Conti Cup against Reading might be in jeopardy. Yeah, it's... Um... Was it Spurs and lasagna a few years ago? I think we've had <laughs> similar, similar happenings at Reading. So they, they played Wolves um, on Sunday and the FA Cup fourth round tie was, was postponed after a, a sickness bug that impacted both teams. It was played at Aldershot Town rather than Reading, of course, have had their all number of problems for, for the club as a whole and um, several players taken on well. Wolves then uh, postponed their uh, a cup game against rivals West Brom, which will obviously be a, a big match to, to be looking to call off. And I just wonder if that might spill over into next week's game against Arsenal. <laughs> just something worth keeping an eye on. Their, their mm. game uh, this weekend uh, at Reading Stadium against Birmingham City has been postponed. S sickness severely affecting uh, the squad um, in the statement. So uh, just one to keep an eye on, I think. And Absolutely. We don't see we don't see games for and hopefully there's a, a swift recovery for these Reading players. I mean, when we think about this game tomorrow, we don't know yet, but there's a potential for a postponement due to a frozen pitch, and then we could then lose the Reading game potentially due to a sickness bug. And suddenly thinking, crikey, we've that's two fixed in a row, and the next game's going to be Liverpool away, and um, it, it's all sort of starting to stack up. Obviously, wish the Reading in an absolute state at the moment, so we, we wish the players all the best, and hopefully they can recover soon. Um, just, I mean, if you've seen the footage of the weekend with the men's team and the the, the protests on the pitch, it's just it's just awful, um, and it's really sad to see. From a women's football perspective, Reading were a, a decent mid-table side, and it just so it's just sad to see them drop down the table and potentially could be on the brink of disappearing altogether. So hopefully something gets sorted then. Um, but there is a game, hopefully this weekend, Arsenal versus Everton, and um, I'm going to be there watching. And unfortunately, those of us who aren't there, who live in the UK, um, won't be. Um, oh, Lottie, um, you're sadly going to be one of those because I think you're going to the men's game um, instead, aren't you? So, but 
this is a bit of a bit of a farce, isn't it? So just just before people know, um, the, the game was moved from Sunday to Saturday. This was because of a uh, the midweek game, and they wanted to have a more chance for recovery before the uh, last round of Conti Cup games in the group stage. Um, the game was going to kick off at two o'clock, which is sort of normal for a Sunday. They moved it to a Saturday and then just forgot to move the time, forgetting, of course, that there's a 3 p.m. blackout rule. You don't broadcast games in the 3 p.m. window, which this game will fall into. Um, yeah, Lottie. Yeah, how has this happened? <laughs> I don't know how it's happened. It was it, it was obviously an easy mistake. Mm. And it was just overlooked. The thing is, the, I think the worst part for me is both clubs agreed on that time. Yeah. So they and I don't think they expected it to be moved from that Sunday uh, to the Saturday. Um, I do. I am awful for the three pm blackout because it does help the lower leagues. But mm. when it affects me, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I mean, it annoys so, me. It annoys me when I have to watch an Arsenal game and I can't. <laughs> I enjoy, no, but, yeah, no. But I enjoy it. as much as I go off to watch the men's first team all the time. Mm. I prefer mm. to watch the women. Mm. There's no disappointment there unless we actually get our backsides handed to us. Which is yeah. not very often. No, no thankfully not. It's, yeah, I just I can't cope with the men at the minute. They're, they're just about they're looking to loan out Smith Rowe, and then I know he's going to be sold, so I'm not happy. No. I don't really want to go tomorrow. I'd rather well, be going to Everton away at home. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come to you, Freddie, because that's obviously somebody who um, the club you commented for benefits from the 3 p.m. blackout rule. Mm. Um, obviously, it's, it's done your you know hitching hitch the world of good, but I mean this is, I mean this is such a Actually, I want to say shambles, but it, it's something that is so obvious. How is it missed? You know, how? <laughs> I think it's pr- probably the the fact that the blackout. You know, with the women's the women's games, obviously we see so many on Sunday, and yeah. rightly so. So there isn't that clash of the men's games. Mm. I think what will have been thought of, obviously, when the clubs moved it, there wouldn't have been a regard for TV scheduling, and they would have, you know, it would have been the players' welfare, the you know, the, the fixtures themselves. And now it's something we've only just come to realise, and also because it's only in the UK. But I think it's nice that there's such a, not a backlash, but so many people have become surprised by it because it shows the level of interest that is there. And even after Watford, you know, we saw Beth Mead go down injured. And I think the FA player stream just said, you know, that's enough, I'm off home. And <laughs> everyone was going, what's happened to Beth Mead? And my Twitter was mad because luckily she was up and okay. But it just shows that we're still in this stage where, you know, one, Meadow Park isn't big enough, as much as I hate to say it. it, it you know, it's something I think we can learn from. And, as you touched on with the non-league side, it is, you know, it is important, the 3pm blackout. We have it for a reason, even if, you know, there'll probably be a, a lot of supporters from overseas. I don't want to generalise, who, but who are going to un- struggle to understand maybe why we do have this, why you can want to watch a game. And, you know, there's going to be people who want to watch Arsenal Women and aren't going to go, oh, it's not on the FA player. Let me go and watch my non-league side. They're going to sit at home and they're going to find alternative ways of watching it that I'm not going to go. I could have possibly comment. <laughs> I might choose to do so. But, you know, when that's where maybe the blackout doesn't work because there are going to be people who all they want to do tomorrow is watch Arsenal Women versus Everton. They're not going to turn around and then go and watch a local game. So I, I do see the advantages, but, you know, perhaps we can do separate things in men's and women's football, you know, in terms mm. of in terms of the blackout and, you know, it has its, it has its uses, but mm. I think this will be a, a one-off error. I don't think we'll see something like this happening again. One of the things that I should say, one thing that came up from the um, Karen Carney report, one of the ideas was, is that having the women's game, because they've got all this scheduling nonsense with like 6.45 kickoffs, mm. is have, is used a 3 p.m. blackout rule, but flip it. So broadcast women's football in that sort of, a golden hour and maybe that could work instead i should say i've actually took advantage of the blackout wall and went to watch my local team bearsted uh mm. and it was a, a, rain, a rainy day standing by a pitch i've never been before and i tell you what it was an absolutely fantastic experience didn't didn't i went it's was, it was really good to go to a football match and not know anything don't know mm. any of the names of the players don't know you know who are the managers don't have no preconceptions going into it just going into it cold is a really interesting experience because in you know with social media and the internet you can google and fi- easily find out who the you know starting eleven is and who's scored recently but going in cold to a game was, was a really good experience and thankfully bearsted won which makes it a bit you know a bit more tolerable um hopefully um yeah i said the game goes ahead and everton well they're coming in in a well they, i don't know if any of you chance saw the fa cup game against aston villa um i did and quite frankly they look very good um with the caveat that they were playing Aston Villa, whose uh, problems this season are well uh, well known, but they uh, they won three 0 and uh, I think it was a late brace from Tatchus Noyce. Um, 
Molecule, who's gone on loan there, doing some good stuff. Um, sadly, won't be playing in this game. She's not eligible. Um, but EAR currently seventh, two wins in the last five in WSL. Um, and like us, lost their last game before Christmas. Um, they lost 4-1 at home to Manchester City. Um, Arsenal won 4-1 at, uh, at their ground during the tail end of last season. That was, of course, the game when um, Lear Valti got her ankle crunched, um, sadly. And that sort of rather ended our season as well. And uh, in the reverse, early in the season, we actually beat Everton 1-0. Uh, I'm going to, it's a minor pop quiz, so Lottie, I'm going to come to you. Who scored the winner on the day? No, pass? I was probably there. Yeah, pass. Okay, Freddie, <laughs> I was, there. I was probably there, but I don't know. Who scored the winner on our 1-0 win at, at Meadow Park last season? I've got no recollection. I'm going to go Stina Blackstenius. Shameful from the pair of you. It's Vivian Miedemar. It was Vivian Miedemar. It was the it was the crossover, and then she checked back and then pinged it into the top oh, corner. Yeah. I, was, oh, I was somewhere else. I remember watching that on the coach home. You're right. That was a great yeah. goal. Great goal. Yeah, she was. She she had just come back from her time um her time away. Um, yeah. and it was one of the few. Sadly, it was one thing she scored that game, and then I think she scored um home and away against Juventus, and then I think scored against Aston Villa, and then obviously the Leon game happened. Um, but it was a quality goal, and it was sort of thinking, oh, great, we've got the old Miedemar back. So um, hopefully um, we'll yeah. get a chance to see her play. Hopefully uh, she'll, she'll, she'll whack a goal in. Well, this, this, well, this is what we're going to lean yeah, on to. Again. One interesting little side note, um, I mentioned that Everton signed uh, Molecule. They've also signed a player um, called um, Madsen, um, who used to play, I believe, for North Carolina Courage. Uh, where, of course, I think Emily Fox used to uh, play as well. So might be an interesting sort of, you know, teammates turned rivals. Um, Emily will obviously know a player very well. So we'll go for the team. Um, Freddie, you mentioned earlier, I think we can all agree Marnie's going to start this one. Um, sorry, Sabs. <laughs> I think probably Sabs will probably play against Reading. But there are there is now a quandary um, in the fullback slots. Maritz has gone. Fox has come back in. Um, I thought I'd just quickly on Fox, Freddie. Um, what did you think of her debut um, against Watford at the weekend? Yeah, nice game for her to come into, I think. I think she worked well with, with Beth Mead. It was interesting. She was making actually a few sort of underlapping runs at times and Mead would almost drop back. And that's maybe something to that maybe Noel Maritz wouldn't be able to give you. So watching how those two linked up was quite interesting. I thought she, you know, it was sort of a, a typical right-backs performance. Nothing to maybe write home about, but nothing yeah. to worry about either. A couple of nice runs forward and... Yeah, she looks she looks a good player and didn't look didn't seem to tire at all. Looks you know fit, athletic, got up and down the right hand side and uh, yeah, good addition. I mean, she she was lucky enough to play the full ninety minutes. Um, I thought there was some from what I was seeing. Um, obviously, it was crucial won the corner in the first half for the Volti goal. Volti goal. Um, my feeling was I think she has a lot of good attacking forward runs, getting to the byline, getting the crosses in, but. I, don't think she's fully in sync with the team yet. There are a few misplaced passes, but I would expect that from a player who has literally just come off the plane. Um, albeit she was secretly in Portugal in the tra- in the in the training photos, as we all saw. Um, I would think as as the season progresses, she'll become more and more settled and and will look a lot better. And of course, she was playing Watford. Everton is going to be a different um, challenge altogether. Um, so yes, I'll come to you with some Lottie. Um, Steph Catley is back. Um, back from her uh, personal, um, so it was a, a wave of ability for personal reasons against Watford. Um, I think we all roughly know what it's about, and we obviously wish her all the best. Um, but she is back. We've got Catley, McCabe, and Fox as your fullback options. Um, who are you picking? It's got to be Fox and McCabe. As much as much as I appreciate Steph's been off for a bit, I think she'll be better off coming off on the, coming on in the second half for me. Okay, so keep McCabe in, but then have Catley on the bench. Um, Freddie, do you have an alternate take? I think, yeah, I see that. Certainly, see the thinking. I just wouldn't be surprised if Jonas maybe thinks, you know, considering as you say she is new to the side, maybe thinks give her tomorrow off and then maybe get her in against Reading potentially as a just a way of continuing to integrate her into the side. But mm. certainly, I think if and then that would obviously be McCabe at right back. But I think yeah. you know if she's she looks a good player. It's a good chance to, you know, to get her in against a, a good Everton side. And yeah, I think keeping McCabe in, as you say, Catley off the bench, she's played a lot of football, you know, already this season. And I think it's, it's not, and certainly once we saw McCabe switch to right back, it meant Steph Catley was going to play every single minute of, of football, really. And you know, probably not a bad thing, 
you know, obviously she she missed the game for personal reasons, but just a bit of a rest now. And and then you, you've got that battle again. One thing that we do know is that Jonas Eidevel wants Katie McCabe in his side. That's actually the reason why Maritz wasn't playing, essentially, yeah. was because, you know, as someone like McCabe, you just want in your team. And as an opposition, you don't want to play against someone like her. So that's going to give her the edge, you know, a lot of the time. But Steph Catley has not done a lot wrong for Arsenal this season. But as I say, she's played a lot of minutes. I think the thing probably we've got is, is, is if you had Kay McCabe at left back or you had, say, Seth Cat left back, both of them are very good in their position. And I think at some point, Jonas just needs to have the courage to bench one of his best players rather than doing what they end up doing, which is effectively pushing Maritz out of the team. Now, I think with, now with Fox coming in, you've now got the bigger problem, which is, you know, Fox is, we could argue, is potentially an upgrade on Maritz. So at some point, you're going to have to stick a player on the bench who, well, Firstly, the fan base is going to be annoyed with because you're thinking, why are you benching her? She's amazing. Well, that's because we've got amazing players in every position. I think at some point, Jonas has to have the courage to go, McCabe, you're going to sit this one out, or Catley, you're going to sit this one out, um, or, or Fox. And I think, which is something I think we've been building to, especially when these players, like we've got a man, um, and, uh, Leia and Laura, coming back from their ACLs. At some point, they're going to nudge one of Lotter or Amanda out of the team um, or, 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 or Fox. So this is this is the the, the brilliant manager conundrum of, of what's what brilliant players don't play, um, which is a nice contrast from last season, which is like, who does play? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just... let's be serious. We literally crawled across that line. We did against Villa did. last season. That was that was. But it's actually I mean, quite nice yeah. to have, but it's not nice because either way, you're going to upset one set of fans. Yes, but I mean, we are Arsenal fans. I don't think we are known for our rationale when it comes to, uh, oh, <laughs> to players, not. players and their thinking I think in that manner. I I kind of opened up Twitter today and I'm so, just after Manu signed and I thought, nope, I'm not going on there because it combusted. <laughs> it did combust yes, in both directions. Yeah. Um, so moving away from the fullbacks, um, I think there's I think there's an argument we could have any any combination there and we should be all right. Um, so it'd be interesting to see which way Jonas falls in this one. Um I want to move on to the forward line. Um, Fred, you'll come to this one first. Um, what did you make of the Vivian Miedemar, Alessio Russo sort of 10-9 strike partnership? Because it's the first time we've really sort of seen it in action. Yeah, it's the first time, you know, we've seen it before, only we've seen it with sort of Miedemar and Blackstenius. And I mm. thought there were some nice moments sort of between the two of those. You think of that game against Manchester United at Meadow Park. Oh, uh, that pass, that, that, that pass from Miedemar is just, oh, it's so good. Even watching that, that step-by-step documentary, even that little pass against Bristol City when Viv yeah. came to the bench, and you know it's oh, moments yeah. like that. But I think the thing is there, you've got two players who like to do the dirty work and like both of them like to drop deep. Both of them, you know, can come inside and and link up with play. And I think there we need one of them to say, you know what, I'm going to stay up front, do my job as a number nine, and let you play off me. But I think just against Watford, there. You know, they're very interchangeable, the two of them. I think Viv, once we get that first goal back, you know, we saw what it's done to Beth Mead and it's mm. so close and she's still maybe not quite at that full match sharpness because, you know, that she did have her chances against Watford and, and wasn't able to take them. And you know, there will be pressure building there when you've been out for so long. We saw what it meant to Beth Mead, you know, to get that first goal back and it it will be a big moment. The fans will be... Yeah, it's a partnership. I think you've got two, you know, world-class players, Russo and Viviana Miedemar. It's about getting the best out of both of them. And that's something that maybe Jonas has struggled with with Viv because she's such a sort of unique talent. But, mm. you know, it's interesting to see how it works. I mean, that was the only real sort of disappointment. Well, there was a few disappointments for the game, but one of the main ones was the um, Miedemar didn't get a goal. And I really wanted to get a goal, and she should both have done. Chances as well, I think. Both Alessia Russo and Viviana Miedemar could have had, you know, two or three, certainly Russo hitting the woodwork. So, yeah. Uh, and, and credit to Watson. I think their goalkeeper, we both said, you know, in the second half, she she was brilliant. We should have a quick shout out. I think you did um, show us on Twitter. Watford now do have a second keeper. Um, so it's not just one keeper leading the line. They have, I think it's is it on loan from Man United, I think, as you come from. Is that right? Um, so, yeah, wishing her the best of luck. Uh, Welsh international. Um, I think they were looking, they were hoping to get her in before Arsenal. Um, mm. They they weren't able to do so in time. But yeah, Goldsmith was brilliant after a couple of early mistakes. And but yeah, yeah. they've been looking as you, as we knew they didn't have a goalkeeper on the bench. And obviously she went down injured quite early on in the first half, and there was obviously some worry there. But <laughs> that's a, a well thought of goalkeeper coming in from United. So 
Oh, well, which are obviously the best of luck at Watford. Um, I'll come to you, Lottie, again with the sort of Russo, Miedemar. I mean, yes, interchangeable. I mean, I'm thinking about like with the men's team, the international setup we used to have that problem with Gerard and Lampard, and both of them would used to go forward, and then you'd have nobody in midfield. I mean, is there a case of that with Viv and Russo? Are they going to get each other's way, or do you reckon they could have a sort of proper relationship where I'm going to go sit deep on this one and you go forward, and then maybe could flip around a bit? Yeah, I'm hoping they will flip flip around a bit. If I'm honest with you. Because then you, the, your opposition will never know who's coming at you. Yeah. But it's it's like chopping and changing. It's a bit like for England when we see Lauren Hemp and Beth Mead swaps swap wings. Mm. They do that so regularly. Mm. Uh, I don't see any other wingers doing that on a regular basis. Maybe occasionally Chloe Kelly and Lauren Lauren Hemp do it at City, but it's not as effective as if it was Beth. Mm. So I hope they keep, to keep doing interchanging because the game's changing and stuff like this. I think is going to be more more of a regular recurrence. I understand that uh, during sort of the winter break, they were trying to work on ways they can become more unpredictable. I mean, it's also a problem the men's team have had as well. Um, if it were me, if what I do is I get one of them new um, predator boots that um, Gabriel Jesus and Russo stole from oh, the back of a truck. Uh, t- oh, well, Timber, Timber's got his the other day. He picked them up from the armory. And um, well, okay. so if you get those, we'll be winning 30 nil by half time. If, if that advert's Hopefully. anything, anything to go <laughs> by, do check it out. It's a very good advert. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this this whole trying to become more unpredictable, um, maybe using Russo and, and Viv in the forward line, in mm. if they can create a a strike partnership. You know, you mm. think about the classics. You know, the men's side now, the Henri Burr camps, or you know, with the women's team, with the way that you know. Viv and DVD used to link up, for example. I, th- I think there is potential there. The problem is it's only had about 90, well, 60 minutes, I think it was in the end, before they got subbed off. You know, these things don't grow overnight. And let's give it time as well. As you say, that's got so much potential there. And you talk about going away to Portugal and working. You know, let's not forget who's teaching them. Kelly Smith, you know. Wow, yes. Well, let's get I mean, that's a, it, it could be absolutely formidable. You know, we mm. talk about the other attacks in the WSL, obviously the sad news that Sam Kerr is going to be out injured, but that could give Arsenal a real advantage. You know, if you get Alessia Russo and Miedemar clicking, and then you've still got the likes of Black Stenius and Ford, Mead, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, and then you build up that attacking strength. Um, so it's a lot to be excited with. It's just let's hope, you know, we can stay patient and let it grow, especially with a player like Viv, who's been through as much as she has. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the attack, um, one player I was wondering should maybe get a start. Um, do you think Chloe Lacasse deserves maybe a crack in the starting attack for once? Um, she looked okay when she came off the bench against Watford. Um, Ford, I think it's been maybe a bit patchy form-wise. Um, or do you reckon Ford will start on the left? I'll come to you, Freddie, first for this one. Yeah, I'd like to see Lacasse given a go. Actually, I think she's not. She's often been, you know, really good off the bench. Some some really nice cameos whenever she's come on causes problems. And yeah, Ford, I think against Tottenham came under a lot of criticism for just sort of taking those chances in the final first. She didn't seem to have that composure that we've often seen from her. You know, at times last season she was just brilliant, and we saw glimpses of it against Watford. But I think a lot of the time watching her this season, it's just been that final decision. You know, getting that final pass right and. Someone like Lacasse is sharp. You know, she's scored a lot of goals, you know, for Benfica in Portuguese football. And she's quite a raw player still, even though she, you know, she's mm. somewhat older than what you describe a raw player as, you know, that typical age. But there's a lot to like there. And, you know, just to hear that chant a bit more, I think I won't complain. As I well. mean, I mean, if that's if that is any excuse, Lottie, to um, play Lacasse, it's to get the 24 chant resonating, especially if she scores. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think for me, it's. This is going to sound really harsh on Kelly Ford, Ford now, but like it's time to bench her. As you say, she's been patchy. And mm. quite frankly, with Tottenham, you expect Caitlin Ford to score after yeah. the last season or so. It just has to be done. And she's scored some absolutely brilliant goals against Tottenham, but it didn't. It just didn't happen in mm. December. Um, she just wasn't clinical enough for me when we were sitting in that away stand. Um, but yeah, no, I'd, I wouldn't mind Lacasse starting ahead of Caitlin Ford. Or, or I, up on the left I, I could certainly see if we let's say started Katie McCabe at left back I could then easily see maybe Lacasse starting as a left wing because one of the things I always like with the Catley Ford thing is obviously mm-hmm. there's a natural axis on the left wing there. Yeah. they work very well together but if you were then to you know play McCabe at left back I could maybe see Lacasse working well there as well yeah, so again you'd have to grow that it won't work absolutely 
absolutely yeah not not all partnerships are immediate it does take a yeah get that chemistry right get the inter, uh, interconnections right i think we can all well i'm gonna go and move on to uh, predicted starting 11s um so i'll give you freddie you obviously we've chewed the fat on a lot of them how would you line up the team um against everton um not a lot of change from what we've sort of spoken about generally so far and i don't think we're going to see a lot of change from watford we were all surprised how strong that team was and you, yes <laughs> that's something of a, a dress rehearsal of actually you know you you we're poor against Tottenham. We need to get back on the one winning ways. And I'm going to put out my best team to do that. So I think we're going to see, you know, something very similar to, to Watford. Um, wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we do see changes at full back one way or another. Maybe a Lacaste coming in, a bit of rotating. And um, certainly, you know, Pullover in that midfield. Hopefully, you know, Kim Little, I think we're not sure in terms of the fitness. I don't think it's something that's don't asked. Think she, yeah, I don't think she's ready yet. I think her and Hertig are still out injured. So maybe a, a Cooney cross coming back into the side potentially because I think she ended up <laughs> it very well. But Arsenal do still have all of those, you know, brilliant midfield options. But Pelova, absolutely, you know, still she was involved in the first three goals. That sort of dummy for, you know, for Valtes was lovely. And obviously Leah Valti popping out of a beautiful goal as well. Mm. So they found some of their confidence back. And, you know, even if some chances were missed, I think Arsenal will go into this game, you know, quite positively and, but yeah, to sum things up, because I know I'm often droning on here, but I think it'll be <laughs> very similar yeah, to Honestly, what... you're really not. <laughs> if you want to see someone droning on, wait till I'm in the in the guest seat and not in the host seat, because oh, then yeah. I, I, I can well, do I've, the whole... I've been in the press box with you as well, so I know you can <laughs> fit too. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I did. As, as, as much as I tried to be quiet, uh, my, my mouth did, did run a bit up you there, tried? I'm afraid. You try. I, I, I really, I really try. I really try. I honestly. Your sarcasm is getting so much better. Well done. It, it is. It is. Um, Lottie, then I'll come to you. Then um, any changes you would have from the Watford game? Then um, um, not really. I just drop uh, Ford for Lacasse. That's it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I would, as much yeah. as I'd love Kyra to start, I just can't see it with Pullover and Valtteri yeah. as good as they were last game. I'll be no. honest with you. The one thing uh, that might switch my thinking is, is obviously we've got the Reading game midweek and it's mm. how how we will set our team up because I fully expect a mass rotated yeah, but side. It could be, be Pullover and Cooney Cross in the middle. For Reading or for Everton? Reading. Reading, yes. Yeah, so we could have. Um, yeah, if it's Leah, Liam, Leah and Vic in the middle, then it, she has the opportunity for the next game. Maybe. And then, Although just, I could be wrong because every time I'm t I say she's going to start, she doesn't. So <laughs> I'm just putting her on the bench hoping she'll start, really. This was really the only sort of downside of the, sort of the Molecule loan signing. I just wish we could have kept her for a few more weeks and given her the Reading game because I'm sure she would have started the Reading game if, if she was available and then put her on loan. Um, sadly, it wasn't the case. And I think, I mean, I was sort of just touched on the defence. Um, I think we can agree that Lotter and Amanda will be the defensive pairing, and I expect for Reading. Um, I mean, we predicted for the FA Cup, and we got this horrifically wrong. We all predicted um, that we were going to it was going to be a heavily rotated side of the Conti Cup, and it wasn't. I do think we're going to see the return of the NBT um, Lyra Kadena partnership for the for the Reading game. Hopefully, we'll have enough to see that one over the line. Um, so we are going to move on to. Um, some of the other games are going to be happening over the weekend. But before we do that, just a quick score prediction from the pair of you, um, Freddie. Um, how do you reckon this one's going to play out? I think watching Everton against Villa, I was only able to catch the first half in which actually Villa probably had a lot of the ball and Everton held in well and then took their chances up later on in the game. And that's something they'll be looking to do very similarly. Jonas Eidelbaugh's got tremendous respect for Brian Sorensen. He really likes what he's doing there building a brand of football and I don't I don't think it's going to be easy at all so I'll go I'll go three one to Arsenal I think we're still maybe not quite confident with the defense you know it should have been a, an easy clean sheet against Watford and mm. hopefully I'm, I'm sure Lot is strong enough to obviously come back from a little bit of an error and you know we, we, you think Wolfsburg straight away whenever she gives the ball away like that now and but mm. she strong enough character and that's the way you know Arsenal want to play and that's fine and they'll brush themselves off from that but you know I think Everton are a good side obviously they they don't have Katrina Cool. They've, they've lost a few. They have relied on loan players somewhat in recent years. You know, Jess Park, Aggie Beaver-Jones were all there last season. Even Gio had a spell there as well, which is easy to forget about. They obviously then lost Natalie Bjorn recently. Gabby George has gone. So they have had a fair bit of that turnover. And they are one of those sort of permanently stuck in mid-table teams at the moment. Mm. But I'll, I'll go Arsenal 3, Everton 1. Um, I did remind you of something I said I actually want to bring up. But firstly, Lottie, um, just quickly, your 
prediction as well, score-wise. It's no offence to Milan Nusinsberger, but 3-2 to Arsenal. You yeah, always predict. Uh, but we should say lots yeah, of Yeah, I know, always... but I'm always wrong. <laughs> and we, like, I did actually predict Michelle Adjaman scoring last week. You did. We all, I mean, we I all did. had a slight inkling that I that did, was and I happen. did call the score as well, so I'm quite pleased. Um, myself, for... but I'm going to go 3 2. 3 2, okay. Based on, the, based on their performance the other, other, other day, but it'd be interesting. I'm going to go 3 0, but what I'm more thinking about, cause, well, there's a few things you should actually say. Firstly, if we win by um, eight goals or more, we will temporarily go top of the league. So that that's an incentive to rack up a cricket think score. That's gonna happen. No, I don't either. And and for Not two reasons. One what well two for two reasons. One, because it's obviously a high score hard score line to reach. And two, um, our forwards have got this a crippling um condition where they miss really good chances. Um, which you saw against Watford. And I just wanted to touch on the pair of you. Um Lottie, I'll come to you first. I mean, how do we get out of this funk of like missing sitters? Um because we've gone from Spurs when we're just not we're not creating great chances to Watford mm. where we are creating great chances and we're just not scoring them. Well, it's a bit. It's, I, I've got to the point where I'm calling it the Russo effect. She just <laughs> missed the sits. She misses the sitters and gets the worldies. But at Watford, yes. she got the sitter, which is just absolutely brilliant. She's at the right place at the right time. I don't. Mm. It, it, it sounds really bad, but it's just I can't quite compute how she misses the, these easy shots to get in the back of the net and then all of a sudden this worldie comes out of nowhere there was that one wasn't there when she it's just mind-boggling there was the one where i think adjimang lost the ball near the box and russo Mm. sort of got in the box and she just has to tuck it away and then she almost like fell over i think and scooed it wide exactly very frustrating i mean freddie we were obviously in the box together watching that one and i think i was just it it was like watching the men's game against liverpool in the fa cup all over again it was becoming laughable by no sorry lottie it was becoming laughable by the end i mean how frustrating was it and and can arsenal score <laughs> i know it's, it's just weird because we, we won five one we did actually score quite a lot of goals which should be said but and i'll say it, you know it wasn't frustrating against watford when you're three nil four one yeah. you know up, but it will be frustrating against a good side like everton when you have fewer chances as well and we saw that against tottenham who did defend mm. well when arsenal then get the chances when you have fewer you're then under even more pressure and i think it's it's taking a bit of the pressure perhaps off the likes of Alessia Russo because we know there's so much to go, more to goals, you know, to our game than goals, sorry. And I think I watched back the, the the goals against Everton last year and we had crosses into the box, McCabe scoring from range. And, you know, we know the likes of Palova coming forward will get you a lot of goals. Valti was on the score sheet and, you know, McCabe will, will net. Hopefully Fox can show what he, she can do. So I think it's you touched on the unpredictability and mixing it up an attack and Arsenal have got to back themselves to do that as well, because we know there's so much talent in that team that we don't have to be reliant on a one striker like Alessia Russo. I don't think we are, but, you know, perhaps taking some of the pressure off of her shoulders. We've seen earlier this season, she's, she's been excellent without scoring goals. She then added them to, you know, to her game sort of December and, and was starting to find the back of the net, the Chelsea game, she really sort of stood up and, and, and was excellent but we know there's more than enough in this Arsenal team and there are just a few players who have had off days you know Miedemar, Russo but when they have their good days you know we're not going to be having these conversations I don't think it's just it could just be one good game where they all sort of fire they all click you know 8-0 top of the league thanks very much and maybe that's (laughs) That's me. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that. I'm gonna say eight 0 Arsenal and we're gonna to top of the league. I'm going I'm gonna go full positive vibes to see where it takes us. And if it was Saturday kickoff. Absolutely. Do you know what? My, I'd love to see Matt's reaction to that. My my feeling is with the forwards, I think it's the more time they have to think about taking a shot, the more they they overthink it. Whereas mm. I think if if it's on instinct, like the Russo shot, it was it was a it, there was no time to think about it. It was just get there quickly and score. It's why that goal against Sweden with the back heel, it was she wasn't thinking about how I'm going to score. It's just I want to get that ball as quickly as I can back yeah. to the goal, the and that was the way to do it. More often than not, if they can't take the shot, they recycle everything. That's the other frustrating that thing. That drives me mad. It's it's like we, it we kind of works, but it doesn't. Yeah, we saw that lot against Spurs, didn't we? Just getting yeah. to positions and then like the, that's the other thing, obviously. We have the high press, getting the high turnovers. You're thinking, right, you've got them on the back foot, and then they'll just recycle the ball to the halfway line and they'll prioritize possession retention over exploiting the fact that their players are all out of position. And I think that's what Arsenal got to work on next. Um we'll just quickly tap through some of the um uh, other games. Um, there is a small, um, insignificant game between two lesser teams, Chelsea versus Man United, um, at twelve thirty on the on. The, sorry, I can't keep a straight face. This is probably the game of the weekend, Chelsea versus Man United. Let's be fair, and it's at Stamford Bridge. Um, big occasion. Um, I'm really looking forward to watching this one. Um, I think it's 
think it's as a twelve thirty. I think it's live on the BBC. Um, I, I think they've got ticket sales. I think they've done okay for this one. I think they're around sort of the the twenty thousand. 10,000, mark, although they are doing a two-for-one deal on quite a lot of them, which just bears an eye that they're having to give away free tickets. Um, well, firstly, I'll just get your thoughts. Which way do you think this one's going to swing? Um, Lottie, I'll come to you first. Emma Hayes is going to hand a scoreline to Mark Skinner. Simple as. <laughs> you think, you think, will Lauren James come back and haunt her former in, uh, employers? Yeah, oh, for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. For me personally, um, Skinner can't rotate. He doesn't know how to use specific players in his team. Mm. And it's the same format every time. It's just like you have got a bench. Mm. Do some rotations and mix it up. It is quite funny when he says, we need to invest more. We need to invest more. And then they invest yeah. more. And then they just play the same exactly. players. And they stay on 11 every exactly. single day. Exactly. And nothing ever changes. <laughs> I mean, um, you hear all these stories coming out from the like the locker room. Mm. And he says, like, like it's not to a toxic environment. Then why do all your players want to leave? It, is, it doesn't uh, make sense. Here's a puzzly question. Um, Freddie, obviously you've had a chance. Uh, did you do a Emma Hayes press conference at the uh, the Arsenal game? Oh, I did. Yes. So you, and... so you, you've had the oh, chance to, you've had a chance to be actually interview both, well, be with both managers, haven't you? Because I think you were there for the Sports Village games. And so maybe just, um, what's your experience been of of both managers as as a journalist, and maybe which way you think the game to the full? I loved hearing from Emma Hayes. You know, and not, in, I don't want to say that in, you know, as, in terms of gloating as an Arsenal fan. I thought she spoke really well. She was, she held nothing back. And at the end, she said the only positive was that I've got a twenty minute drive home, which I thought was <laughs> a brilliant line that a lot of us were able to use. And um, Mark Skinner, when we went to Lee Sports Village, obviously it was an, an easy win in the end for United, marred by that ACL injury to, to Leah Williamson. I, I've never seen a manager go up to the post-match huddle of journalists. There were about 20, 25 of us at most and fist bumped everyone, high fives all round, could have jumped, maybe could have jumped into us if he wanted to and hugged everyone. But he was, you know, obviously you're delighted, but I've never seen something like that before. And obviously me and Tim as the Arsenal contingent were sort of stood awkwardly at the back, keeping our hands in our pockets. <laughs> Well, just sort of observing, but you know, managers deal with media in different ways. It could be a lot worse than that, I can tell you. So, but it was a, yeah, he's he's a character, isn't he? And mm. it would be an interesting battle on the touchline. Of course, every game is becoming more significant for Emma Hayes now. She counts down her time as Chelsea manager and what a tenure it's been. And it, it's a big game for United because they are in in real danger of dropping significantly behind those European spots now. And it, you know, games like this for Chelsea to win, they're gonna. They're going to be in firm control of this title race. Well, we do know that I think the, the ruling is, is if you lose more than two games in a league uh, season, then you're out of the league. That's what you've only no team has lost more than two and, and won the league. Um, but a main I'd have lost their two games and the previous game, I think, was their home game against Liverpool um, when they got um, when they did actually lose that one. So fascinating to see how this one goes because this could be them out of the effectively out of the title race altogether. Um, I do think Chelsea win this one because they always do. Um, I don't think Man United have never beaten Chelsea. The only thing men, the, the only thing they've managed to do is because a one all draw, and that was during Casey Stoney's tenure. I think it was back in 2020. So that's going to be the I think the big tie of the, of the weekend. I wanted to watch. Um, I yeah, I think Chelsea are going to win, and I think they'll probably win two, three nil quite comfortably. Maybe Man United will get a goal, but I just I think their 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 seasons are going to go into a tailspin. I do fear. Um, there is a game actually happening whilst we're recording, and that is uh, Leicester. They're currently playing Aston Villa at the moment. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that one pans out. Um, and then there are three other games uh, on the Sunday. Brighton, Bristol, Man City, Liverpool, and West Ham and Spurs, which is this 6.45 oh, Sky Sports kickoff. Sorry, I kick to in. But at this point, Aston Villa are 1-0 up. Oh, fair play. Who scored? Right. Was it your, I was going to say, was it your favourite? Oh, yeah. Was it Richard? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Minutes to the score. So that's a positive. That's possible. Best of luck to, to Aston Villa. They've had a bit of a stinker of a season. Um, yeah. Wildly uh, beneath our um, lofty expectations of them, sadly. Um, so quick, I'll do a quick run through score predictions then for um, the other fixtures. We won't do Leicester Villa because that would kind of be cheating. Um, so, Freddie, I'll go to you first. So, Chelsea may not. What's your score prediction? You go a little tighter and go 2-1 Chelsea. I think it's going to be a little tighter. First game... You know, without Sam Kerr, we're maybe going to see how how Emma Hayes looks to change things around. It looks like it's going to be Lauren James in the number nine role, and that'll be interesting. Obviously, we see how much she likes to cut inside off the wing, cause problems. Mm. I mean, Lauren James and fire will cause 
that Manchester United defence problems. But I often predict with my gut rather rather than with my head, and neither seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> Two one. Two one. Okay, uh, Lottie, uh, for you, what was your score prediction? Sorry for uh, Chelsea Man United. One one. A one-one. I tell you what, that'd be yeah, good for Arsenal. Yeah, they don't really play at Stamford Bridge, so I'm not. Mm. That, that's I'm true. Not I mean, them, they did so... batter Liverpool. They did batter Liverpool. Neither, neither of these two sides for me can play on decent, like larger pitches like we do. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go for a draw. One-one. That's the one thing I think will give Man United a chance. If there's game one thing that give them a chance, it's the fact that it's not at King's Meadow. Although if it was at King's Meadow, the pitch would be frozen, the game would be cancelled. So these things do obviously swing in roundabouts. Um. Brighton versus Bristol. I think we can probably agree which way this is going to swing. I'm just going to go and say 3-0 Brighton. Um, I think Bristol are the team that will be able to get this season. Now that West Ham have shown a, a small bit of ambition and you know, brought some players in. Um, Lottie, which one which way do you reckon this one's going to go? 2-1 Brighton. 2-1 Brighton. And Freddie? I'll agree with you, Adam. I really like, uh, like the look of Brighton this season. Mm. They've really well the last couple of years got you know a good manager and melissa phillips and that they'll be too strong for bristol city so free and all as well free and as well fair enough uh, again this well i say this one's going to be an easy one but man city at home to liverpool um liverpool have pulled the trousers down of two um i was okay i was saved big sides in the wsl let's be fair in arsenal and man united they've gone to their home grounds and have, and have done the job on them they're now traveling to manchester city who we know don't do well against low blocks you saw against brighton um my feeling is if Man City score early, um, they'll just play Liverpool off the park. You know, the likes of Jill Rod and um, Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp, Bunny Shaw. I think Bunny Shaw's a top scorer again this season um, so far. So I think I'm going to go 4 1 Man City. Uh, Freddie, which way are you going to swing on this one? Uh, yeah, City win, but you talked about the Liverpool against Manchester United game. They have a knack of being able to hang in games and cause teams. Mm. They're only four points behind Man City in the league. And then, you know, they obviously beat Arsenal earlier this season on the opening day. Matt Beard has, has done a really good job with Liverpool. I'll go 3 uh, 1 to City. I think they'll have enough sort of in that firepower, but it's never easy against Liverpool. It's it's not. Matt Beard's done a great job of Liverpool, making them a really sort of stubborn, awkward team to face, which you need to be um, if you're coming up with WSL. Should say, obviously, Man City have already lost two games this season. So you'd th- theoretically believe. If Liverpool won, then that's the amount of time. Man City have a title race as well. And, and suddenly it's, it's, it's the race is getting shorter by the second. Um, Lottie, any hope for Liverpool? Or is this, are we going to get three out of three for Man City? Uh, I'm going to go three, two to City. Fair I do enough. think Liverpool will will like dig in and, and try, but mm. I just think City will be too much for them. Uh, West Ham v Spurs. Obviously, as we know, Spurs won their previous uh, London derby, sadly. Um, West Ham... They've got some exciting new players in their team. Um, they're the home side. I'm going to go a one-all draw. Lottie. Yeah, I'm going to say the same. Um, because I just I want to see how the new signings settle in properly. Kirsty Mewis. Um, I think the yeah. other one was it Gore? Gorey. Gorey, yeah. Oh, we should also add um, West Ham have made a fourth signing. Um, very big on the Twitter, big announcement. They've signed a bottle of water. Um, I don't know if you saw this uh, Twitter announcement. Freddie, I'm sure you, you saw it as well. There's a big uh, hoo-ha when they were, they, they put up their signings, like three signings they've made in this window, and they said, who's up for a fourth signing? And everyone gets really excited and leave it hanging for about a day or so. And they say, we've got a new hydration partner. And that was the that was the big uh, uh, fair play to them. I mean, they played it played us all like a like a fiddle. Yeah, superb superb work from them. Um, yes, Freddie, news. What's your prediction? Yeah, maybe maybe those new signings were all part of the advertising for that one. <laughs> it was it was we're going to bring them in. So then, yeah, it was all all part of the master plan. The, their footballing abilities are relevant. I think yeah. one of all that I'll actually be really boring and stick with that as well. It just seems like one of those games. A late kickoff. You know, so, some strange things have happened, but maybe not in this one. West Ham is, is struggling. You know, Tottenham are looking OK, though, but new players coming in for West Ham. Some, some really exciting signings. I should say, I'm um, just going to quickly snapshot the league uh, league table um, because I think it's a curious choice. Spurs are sixth and West Ham are 11th. It's, it's a curious choice for Sky to, to pick for their um, for their sixth. I mean, I'm not complaining. I, I hate going to Meadow Park at 6.45 in the evening. It's a nightmare to get back home. But it's a curious choice for the TV picks. Um, but that's it. That's the end of the pod. Um, I, I 
expect that none of our predictions, both for team lineup and scores, will come true because uh, we have a very poor track record when it comes to that. Apart from predicting 2-1 wins for Arsenal against Man City, that's usually a safe bet. Um, just leads me to thank my co-conspirators, the lovely Lottie and the fantastic Freddie. Um, thanks again, Freddie, for, for getting with us. It's been a pleasure having you on board. I hope we can maybe invite you back again soon at some point. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. No, it's been it's been good. It's been good. Um, so first, we'll just quickly say where we can all find you on social media. Lottie, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lottie underscore AWFC. And do make sure to obviously if you're listening in, watching in to follow our Twitter, um, well, X formerly known as Twitter uh, account for the pod, which is at VAW pod. That's correct. Excellent. So yeah, do get that follow. Um, Freddie, where can we find you and your uh, work? Uh, it'll be at Cardi Freddy on Twitter and at Guna Fanzine as well for all of our articles. And, and do get your Guna when you hear that cry outside the Emirates or Meadow Park. Do help us out. We've got plenty more Arsenal women content on the way. Obviously, my regular columns. We've got features for, with uh, the Watford boss, Damon Lafrobe, talking about some of these young Arsenal players in uh, the next month edition. So, yeah, plenty going on there. But uh, keep keep supporting it if you haven't read one before. Lottie, I know I know you always, you always pick one up. So. <laughs> Much yeah, important. no, I can't. Couldn't recommend it more. I've been reading it, reading it for as long as I can remember. <laughs> so, absolutely, do yeah, do do support the uh, the, the Guna fanzine and um, yeah, do check out Freddie's work. Um, if you want to follow my work, um, pales in comparison. But I do occasionally side write a bit for the uh, at Sporting Her and uh, do give that follow. My match report has gone up for the Watford game. If you want to give that a read, and then if you want to follow the nonsense I put on Twitter, um, when I try to guess transfer rumours post rubbish dad jokes and occasionally like to talk about women's football you can follow me at adam salterfall but that's it that's the end of the pod thank you everyone for uh, for watching in tuning in joining in listening in it's great to, to have you i think our, our subscribers continue to rise which is good to hear it's great to have you on board there for our journey so yes just nothing to do but um pray to the sky gods that the game does go ahead and um we get to winning return to the wsl so until then hope to see you at meadow park and um come on you gooners